to another edition of the Fantasy Fellow Show. I am your host, the Fellow KGB. You can follow me at Twitter at the Fellow KGB, and I'm here today to talk about NFC. We just uh, we covered the AFC players and tiers uh, in the last last episode. Today we're looking strictly at the NFC. Uh, you can find the article for the AFC along with the NFC, which I'm just finishing up now. I think I just have the AFC West to do, but all of that will be live on the website. And uh, yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna hop right into it. And I'm going to do a screen share here. And we're gonna start. Uh, if you go to the web page, fantasyfellowship.com, you'll see NFC player tiers right here. And we're gonna start with the NFC East. Uh, so we'll start alphabetical order. We'll look at the Dallas Cowboys. Um, ranked elite, I have Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, and Dak Prescott. This is the trio that they're going to run the ball through pretty much on almost all their plays. I know the holdout with Ezekiel Elliott is a bit of a question mark, but it sounds like something's going to get done at some point this season. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he missed a, a game or two or even three to start the year. It sounds like they really, really like what they got with rookie Tony Pollard. Uh, he's been all over in camp and a lot of good plays coming out of him. And it looks like he can uh, he can pass catch well, he can pass block well, so they're they're kind of making uh, an effort to make sure he's ready in case Zeke misses any time. Um, so at the moment, right now, I'm not too excited about taking Zeke uh, with within the first three or four picks. I think I'd rather um, I'm probably taking David Johnson over Ezekiel Elliott at this point, just because. If you've been burned by Le'Veon Bell, you know what I'm what I'm talking about. You just don't want your first round pick to be missing time, and uh, uh, we really don't know. So if you're drafting right now, it's best to to let somebody else take Elliot. If he does happen to sign within the next uh, weeks, days, whatever, Elliot will be a top five pick, no problem with that. Um, but I'm really more concerned about Amari Cooper. He's got a foot issue right now. I was reading about it. It sounds like some kind of ligament issue in the foot. He hasn't been uh, – I don't think he's been practicing. He hasn't been in any preseason games yet. So we're really, we really got to monitor what's going on with him and see if he's ready to go for week one. He might have a slow start to the season as he gets uh, as he gets adjusted to conditioning and whatnot with the foot. But if, uh, if, if he's able to start ramping up his workload, we're going to see Cooper uh, flirt with wide receiver one numbers. And uh, that all ties into Dak Prescott. Dak hasn't uh, finished outside the, the top 12 at the position in all three years he's been a starter. Um, and I really don't see that changing now, especially now that he's got uh, probably his best array of weapons that he's had in his, uh, his time there. Um, they, have, uh, they added Randall Cobb in free agency to upgrade from Cole Beasley. Michael Gallup's in year two. He showed some good stuff last year as a rookie. And then Jason Witten's back. So uh, these are the complimentary players, Randall Cobb, Michael Gallup, and, and Jason Witten. Um, I'm open to Randall Cobb um, because I think he's going to be a little more consistent when he's healthy. As far as PPR leagues go, uh, I can see Cobb getting four or five catches a game and uh, flirting with, you know, eight, nine, ten-point floor. Um, Michael Gallup's a better best ball pick. Jason Witten, it wouldn't surprise me if he if – he, is able to get you know three to five catches a game as well and help you get at least eight to ten points as your floor each week. So um, if we're excited about Dak in this offense, we should be excited about uh, some of these complimentary guys uh, outperforming ADP. 
because no one's really drafting Cobb, no one's really targeting Gallup or Witten, so they're they're basically a free square. So, um, but yeah, overall the Dallas offense is a bit of a question mark. We got to see what happens with Zeke. We got to see how Cooper comes back from his foot injury. Um, but if everything goes according to plan, the Cowboys are going to be a pretty good offense this year. So, uh, with that, we'll move on to the New York Giants. Um, obviously, Saquon Barkley's there. He's going to be the main guy, catching, running scoring touchdowns for this team he's going to do it all um it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes as the wide uh, rb1 again this year um he, he could push 2,000 all-purpose yards that's not out of the question either um the only really question mark is what happens if eli manning is underperforming and they bring daniel jones in and are we looking at loaded boxes or the defense is just going to be keying in on barkley and making the giants rely on their other players um so I totally get it if you don't want to take Barkley number one, but he should be top two, top three, for sure, top four pick this year. So uh, after Barkley, we have a slight gap, and then we're looking at Evan Ingram as really the only other reliable player on this team, uh, mainly just because he's at the tight end position, and there's only a handful of guys that are must-starts week to week, and I think Ingram's going to be one of those. He's got top five upside this year, uh, especially with Golden Tate and his uh, PED suspension for the first four weeks. Uh, we also have Sterling Shepard coming back from a broken thumb at the moment. It sounds like he's going to be good to go. But uh, even then, Eli Manning's not really accurate outside passing to receivers at the moment. And I think Ingram could rack up a lot of targets, a lot of receptions. And uh, if Barkley doesn't lead the team in a lot of the receiving stats, I think Ingram will. So I'm open to Ingram in the fifth, sixth round range. If he falls that far, go ahead and do that. Um, but yeah, then again, outside of those top two guys, I'm not really trying to get Sterling Shepard. I'm not really trying to get Golden Tate just because they're attached to Eli Manning and potentially Daniel Jones. So um, with that, I don't know. I don't really think Giants are necessarily going to help us win our fantasy leagues outside of Saquon and Ingram. So uh, we'll move on to a team that might help us win some uh, championships, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. I have pretty much all of their whole team bolded here because – it's, it's a pretty big, juicy offensive pie here. Uh, at the top, we have Zach Ertz and Carson Wentz. I think these are the two most elite options on the team. Ertz uh, set NFL record, I think, with receptions last year. I think it was like 113. Um, that number is sure to come down. Uh, he might also see regression in yards and, and maybe touchdowns. I think he's fine for six, seven, eight touchdowns. I think he had eight last year. But for sure, we're looking at that reception number coming down. We're looking at maybe a little bit uh, decrease for yards. So I still think Ertz is a top five uh, tight end, but I don't know if I'm willing to pay that uh, end of the, I guess that two, three turn price for a tight end. I might be, you know, more open to drafting uh, running backs and receivers there. So if you like Ertz, go ahead and grab him if, uh, if he falls, you know, into the early third. Um, but basically, I, I can, I'm coming on to Carson Wentz because – uh, they have so many weapons here in Philadelphia, and I think it's going to be hard to trust week to week, whether it's Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Wentz, uh, I mean, I, Ertz and Godert, the two tight ends I think are going to go back and forth with big touchdown games. And then uh, just the running backs as a whole are going to be kind of uh, used inefficiently for fantasy. Um, so we know the Eagles offense is going to be good. So to me, it just makes most sense to take the top and just get Wentz. So 
you pretty much just get everything that happens with that, uh, that passing game. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm into Elshon Jeffrey here as your wide receiver. He looks best as your wide receiver three, but he could perform as a wide receiver two most weeks. Um, he's got a good connection with Wentz. He's a big bodied receiver. He could lead the team in touchdown receptions. Um, and yeah, so he's, he looks best as your wide receiver three, but he's got wide receiver two upside most weeks. And then there's Deshaun Jackson, who I think he, he could lead the team in yards. I'm not going to be shocked if we see Deshaun lead or break a thousand yards this year. It sounds like everything's going really, really well with his return to Philadelphia. Uh, Wentz has been hitting him a lot in practices. And I think Jackson's probably, he's better off in a best ball league, but, uh, I'm still open to drafting him uh, late in redraft leagues because he's got a pretty cheap ADP. You can grab him on your bench, and uh, he might have a hot start to the year. He is a little bit older, but he – I mean, last year he came out of the gate hot. So I think Jackson might be really good in your flex to start the year, and you just go from there and see what happens. Um, so, yeah, outside of Jeffrey and Jackson, uh, Nelson Aguilar's there. I, th- I don't know if he gets any fantasy attention unless there's an injury to – Jeffrey or Jackson, but just keep him in mind. Um, but those are the two primary receivers. And then you got Ertz uh, taking most of the volume. And then uh, Dallas Goddard, who he he could be a league-winning tight end if anything happens to Ertz. And his ADP is really cheap. Um, I think Goddard's going to start eating into a little bit of Ertz's volume. Um I think he only scored like four touchdowns last year. We could, I could see Goddard with six, seven, eight touchdowns this year. Um, I think they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets and make sure he's on the field more. He's an excellent blocker. He's good at finding space and busting in the seam. Um, you get him as your tight end too. And if that's like your bye week tight end for a week, or if there's say Ertz misses a week or, you know, got anytime Ertz misses a game, we're going to put Goddard in like the top five, top 10 for tight ends that week. So, I love his ADP. He's really cheap. You can get him in the double-digit rounds, and uh, he's got a bright future there in Philly. So uh, I love Goddard. Um, we haven't talked about any of the running backs, but that's going to be one of the bigger questions with this offense is how they use them. They traded for Jordan Howard with the Bears, and he's gonna Howard's going to be their main uh, first and second down back, probably their goal line back. But they drafted Miles Sanders out of Penn State in the second round. Uh, they also drafted second-round receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who I like for dynasty purposes. I don't know if, we, if he gets into the lineups for fantasy this year in redraft leagues, but uh, that's just another name to keep an eye on. But uh, back to the running backs, we have a competition, I think, shaping up between Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Uh, Howard's probably going to get the, the the duty to start early in the year, but if Sanders is getting opportunities to make plays and he's looking better, Sanders could work himself into the starting lineup um, mid-season to late season and run away with the job. But it sounds like they like what they got in Howard. He's he's a better pass blocker and better pass catcher than the, I think the Bears gave him credit for. So, um, and Howard's got a little bit cheaper ADP than Sanders, um, so I think he's the better value at the moment. Um, I mean, you could potentially do a draft plan where you, you, you grab both in like the eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth round, and uh, you just play the hot hand and go from there. But, uh, I mean, Sanders is obviously the, the, the better playmaker. So, uh, And then they still have Darren Sproles, Corey Clement, uh, Wendell Smallwoods there, Boston Scott's trying to make the team, uh, Josh Adams. There's a lot there at running back. 
So I'm a little bit nervous on how they're going to use these guys, which is why I go back and just default to Carson Wentz mid-round QB uh, selection. And I think you just kind of benefit from all the fruit that uh, Philly has at, for weapons. So with that, we'll move on to the Redskins. We'll make this quick. I'm, I really, uh, I really can't uh, get excited about the Redskins this year. They got Case Keenum at quarterback. They drafted Dwayne Haskins. It sounds like uh, Colt McCoy has been not rehabbing as well as they have liked. So it's really a two, two-man battle at quarterback. We're probably going to see Keenum get the start, and Haskins will be starting by maybe as early as week three or four, uh, potentially midseason. So just because of that, we're not excited with the weapons if Keenum is the quarterback. Haskins is going to be a rookie. He might provide a little juice, so I'm keeping an eye on Haskins and seeing who he's, uh, who he's riffing with in preseason and in camp. And um, just because uh, it sounds like the Redskins are going to be losing more games than not, I really don't know if we can trust the running backs here. Uh, Darius Geis has not been cleared to practice yet. He's still recovering from the torn ACL from last year. Sounded like he had some hamstring tightness uh, about a month ago. So he's not ready to go, which leaves Adrian Peterson atop the depth chart. He did rush for 1,000 yards last year, but Again, Peterson's however old, like 35, and coming off of a, a pretty volume-heavy season on a team that's just not going to be very successful in offense. Trent Williams is is probably not going to be with the team this year, so left tackle is is a revolving door right now. Um, so they're going to be passing a lot, which means uh, they're going to rely on some of these these young receivers here, and Jordan Reed might be one of the only guys that I can recommend taking because just because it's the tight end position, um, it's a pretty low draft capital spot, and it sounds like Reed is having one of the better off seasons that he's had. He hasn't had any surgeries to overcome, so it sounds like he's as healthy as he's been in a really long time. And with a young quarterback. Like Haskins, Reed could be one of his best weapons in, you know, getting the ball out quickly. Uh, but if we talk about getting the ball out quickly, we're looking at Trey Quinn in the slot, who had some moments last year. And then uh, the only other really outside receiver I'm interested in is Terry McLaurin, um, mostly because he's got a report with Haskins back at Ohio State, and it sounds like McLaurin's been um, mentally – involved with just learning the playbook and being on the same page as, as these receivers. Um, he didn't really even play much in the first preseason game. So to me, that means he's on his way to a starting role. So if you have to draft a Redskin, you can target Reed, Trey Quinn, or Terry McLaurin at the end of your drafts. And uh, don't really worry about too many other guys there. So that's going to wrap up the NFC East. And we'll move on here to the NFC North. We'll start with Chicago. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year for Chicago uh, with Mitchell Trubisky in his second year with Matt Nagy. It's his third year in the league, but uh, we're looking to see growth from Trubisky as a passer, especially on outside throws. But uh, the real heart of this offense is going to be through the running game with third round pick David Montgomery out of, Ohio, out of Iowa State, and then the pass catching role of Tariq Cohen. Um, Montgomery looked, he looked magnificent the other day on the, the first preseason game against the Panthers. So a lot of people are super excited about him. 
Uh, he goes as early as like a late third round pick, fourth round pick sometimes. People are expecting a running back two season from him. I'm not getting that carried away yet because I, I believe, I mean, I love Tariq Cohen. So that's going to cap his PPR upside a little bit. And then they also brought in Mike Davis uh, in free agency from Seattle. Davis is an excellent pass blocker and really good pass catcher out of the backfield. So I really don't know if, if just by default Montgomery gets all of the Jordan Howard looks. Uh, Mike Davis, is he's a veteran back. He knows what he's doing in some of those situations where a rookie might be a little more vulnerable. Um, so I'm, I'm open to Montgomery performing as an RB2. I just think that some weeks we might see a little bit more Davis um, just in some tricky situations. But uh, so I guess that means I like – I'm open to Montgomery in the fourth round, but there's other guys that I like in the fourth round a little bit more. So I'm not really getting him too much. I'm, I'm getting Tariq Cohn a little bit more. He was RB11 last year in PPR leagues. And uh, his role is really not going to change that much. We don't really expect Tariq Cohen to get 10-plus carries a game on the ground, you know, five, six, seven, eight in that range on a, you know, gamely basis. And then we expect seven, eight targets a game. And um, just with his ADP price, he's going anywhere around six, sometimes as late as round seven even. I think Cohen – He's better in a best ball league, but he's got top 24 upside in PPR leagues. So, I mean, you can do worse as your RB2. He's kind of like a he's kind of like a James White where there's going to be some weeks where the, the, the team is winning and they just don't really have a need to rely on the short passing game as much as, you know, when they're coming from behind or something like that. So, uh, but then again, the Bears are going to be led by these two, two running backs, maybe third with Mike Davis. And uh, we'll see if Trubisky can... Uh, develop as a passer so that leads us to his most trusted weapon in Allen Robinson Robinson kind of had an up and down year but uh, the one game that stuck out the most to me was the playoff wild card game against the Eagles he went off for 10 catches 143 yards um, I think that was easily his best game of the season I think he scored a touchdown too um, so if we can get anything uh, out of Trubisky going forward in his second year Allen Robinson presents us a value uh, in that sixth, seventh round range where there's not too many wide receiver ones left. And uh, I don't know, Robinson, he, he was nursing uh, the ACL tear last offseason, so he's been completely healthy, good to go this offseason. It sounds like there's been no setbacks or nothing concerning there. So Robinson's in a good place. And uh, if you can draft him as your wide receiver three, you might get wide receiver two upside this year. So I'm into Allen Robinson. Uh, I like Mitchell Trubisky, but I'm still, I mean, Trubisky looks fine as your quarterback two in super flex leagues, but he's still going to be a little bit boom and bust most weeks where, you know, like they're going to rely on the running game to beat uh, some teams some weeks and some weeks when they're facing a better defense, you know, they, they could potentially not have a really good offensive output. So, I like Trubisky more in a best ball league. I don't think I want him as my quarterback one uh, when I leave the draft, but uh, I'm open to him being a QB two and uh, being streamed this year, kind of like how he was last year. Um, the guy with the lowest ADP that I'm most excited about on the Bears is Anthony Miller. He led the team in touchdowns last year as a rookie, and he did this while playing with shoulder injuries and a couple other things that nagged him throughout the whole season. Um, I just read that he's got a little bit of a foot issue that he's dealing with, but it doesn't sound serious. He should be go for week one. Good to go for week one. 
Um, and I think I'm going to put my chips on Anthony Miller leading this team in touchdowns again, uh, mainly because he's the big slot receiver and Trubisky is a little bit more comfortable throwing in the middle of the field in the short yardage area. And I can see him really relying on Anthony Miller and uh, Miller. I think his price is like somewhere like he's in like the wide receiver four or five range, you know, in the, like he can be a wide receiver 50 off the board or something like that. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he finishes the wide receiver, wide receiver three this year. So I like Anthony Miller and then uh, Trey Burton's there as well. He, fin- he did finish as a tight end one last year. Um, he was a little bit boom bust. So he's better best ball tight end target. But uh, I mean, just with the tight end position as a whole, you could do worse. So it's, it's a good idea to, to target Burton if you like that option and then just pair him with another guy that uh, you can maybe play the matchups with, like a guy like Greg Olson or uh, Tyler Eifer even to start the year. So, but overall, the Bears are an exciting team to watch. We'll see how Mitch Trubisky can grow in his second year in the Nagy system. And uh, with that, we'll move on to the Detroit Lions. And so far in camp, it sounds like we're going to see the Lions go back to, I guess they never really were, but they're going to become a running team, uh, you know, primarily focused running the ball. Uh, Matt Stafford was hurt last year with the back injury. So he should be playing a lot more smoother this year. So I think that adds stability to the offense and they should be converting a little bit more third downs. Um, but this offense is going to run through carry on Johnson here at the top. Uh, they cut Theo Riddick, who has been their one of their leading receiving backs uh, the last handful of years. So as soon as that happened, I got really excited about carry on Johnson because they were throwing carry on the ball uh, quite a bit last year up until he got hurt. But now that uh, Theo Riddick leaves all these targets behind, uh, this this kind of just vaulted carry on Johnson to like a, at worst an RB2, but he's got a running back one upside. He's one of my favorite third round picks. I think I have a hard time picking between him and Devonta Freeman, who we'll get into later. But uh, at the top of the third round, you know, I really like taking a guy that's going to get a lot of uh, a lot of carries and a lot of targets, and I think that's carry on Johnson. And if the Lions are going to be more committed to the run this year, healthy Stafford, uh, the defensive line's a lot better. Um, Lions might be a, a, a sneaky kind of efficient offense if they're going to do the things that they want to do. So I'm really into carry on Johnson at ADP. I'm not so into the receiver, uh, Kenny Galladay. I was all in on Galladay last year, but um, – this year, I just think his ADP is kind of out of whack. Um, he's being drafted in the fourth, sometimes fifth round, usually like a top 20, top 22 receiver. And I think this is his ceiling. I don't really know if there's much more value beyond that, uh, especially because Marvin Jones is healthy for a full season. They also drafted TJ Hawkinson, who's going to occupy the middle of the field a little bit more. Um, so, I mean, I'm fine with Galladay as a wide receiver three, if that's how you do your draft but uh, I'm not really a big fan of his ADP price. Um, he's still probably looking at a, around 1,000 yards and six, six touchdowns or so, but um, I really don't know if there's room for him to grow on last year's totals with a healthy Marvin Jones. So uh, buyer beware, I guess. So with that said, I, I like Marvin Jones' ADP because I really don't know if I see that much of a difference between Jones's upside and Galladay's upside. Uh, Stafford's got a pretty good report with with Marvin Jones that's been going back for a few years now and it wouldn't surprise me if Marvin Jones led the team in receiving touchdowns him and Stafford have had a pretty good thing in the red zone the last few years 
And, uh, yeah, Galladay's around four or five pick and get Jones in, like, the eighth round sometimes. And uh, you get him on your team as, as a bench receiver and you can start him some weeks as your wide receiver three. That's a good idea, I think. So I'm into carry on Johnson at ADP, not so much Galladay. I'm, uh, I'm open to Jones at ADP as your, your fourth receiver. And then if we're looking at Stafford being healthy again this year, he's been notoriously a top 10, top 12 quarterback. He's healthy this year. He's got a sound offense around him. The offensive line's good. Uh, I think Stafford can help you in two QB super flex leagues, and he'll probably be worth a streaming look in some certain situations. Um, and he's also got the, the, the young tight end out of Iowa, TJ Hawkinson, to help him. Uh, I think they're trying to look to fill that Golden Tate void that was left behind. So they got Hawkinson to work in the short and middle area of the field and stretch the field vertically as well. And then uh, Danny Amendola is there who might have some PPR, uh, you know, high floor volume for us. So uh, I'm kind of optimistic about the Lions, but uh, I'm most uh, a fan of carry on Johnson round three. So especially in PPR leagues. Um, so with that, we'll move on to the Green Bay Packers who are going to be primarily ran through Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Jones. Uh, Devontae Adams He's worth a look at the first receiver off the board. He was actually, he led the league, uh, he led the receivers in fantasy points per game last year with 21.8. I think the next closest was Antonio Brown with like a low 21.1 or two or something like that. So he missed the final game of the year last year. But uh, if you were able to play, I think we'd be looking at a massive stat line that makes us just like, yes, Adams is the wide receiver one this year. Um, the only thing that might uh, limit Adams' upside is Matt LaFleur's uh, more balanced uh, offensive approach with the running game, as well as uh, the healthy Geronimo Allison, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling year two. We might see a little bit more consistency from these guys. So Rodgers leaned so heavily on Adams last year, whereas now maybe Allison and MVS – and even Jones in the backfield start to pick up the slack and uh, kind of limit Adams's upside. But um, Adams is probably the leader in touchdowns this year for receivers. So I like that argument. He's going to be over hundred catches and uh, probably, you know, 1300 yards. So he's to me, he's one of the safest receivers. He's locked in the offense and Rogers kind of locks into his guy. So um, that's going to be the bulk of the Packers offense, Adams to Rod or Rogers to Adams. So after those two, we have Aaron Jones, who he hasn't really been healthy. He's had a few MCL issues with his knee uh, the last couple of years. But when he's healthy and he's on the field, he is electric. He, he led the league in yards per carry last year. And uh, I think he played in 12 games, but he was able to score nine touchdowns. So uh, that's three out of four games where he's scoring a touchdown for us. And uh, he, I think Lafleur is going to finally give us what everyone you know knows needs to happen, and we're going to see uh, Aaron Jones get uh, the majority of the carries, and we're going to see him involved more in the passing game. So I don't think I like Aaron Jones over guys like Devonta Freeman and Carryon Johnson. I think the question when to draft Aaron uh, Aaron Jones happens more when you're looking at like uh, like Leonard Fournette at the, the mid to end of the round three, are you looking at a receiver like Amari Cooper? I think I tend to go Jones then just because you, you kind of want to get a piece of this Packers offense. So Adams, Rogers, Jones, I like all those guys at ADP. And if you can't happen to get one of those guys, 
Rodgers has been known to support multiple uh, fantasy-relevant wide receivers. So I think uh, we, we have to look at Geronimo Allison and MVS together in the same, the same take, where they're both going to be on the field a lot. I think Allison's going to be on the field more. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be the primary slot receiver this year. So Allison's going to have more catches, and probably more opportunities to, to score in the red zone. Um, but Marquez Valdez-Scaling presents us a more boom-bust, uh, big play ability where Rodgers, he was hitting him deep last year early, and it sounds like uh, he's been working on, on getting that down with Randy Moss this year. So I'm kind of excited about the off-season work that Marquez put in. Um, so Marquez should have more yards and probably bigger plays, whereas Allison might be a little more consistent. So if you're looking at redraft league, I'd, I think I'd go Geronimo Allison. Best ball, I'd probably target Marquez. Um, so that's going to be, I guess, the main weapons that Rodgers rolls with. Uh, after that, we have complementary players, uh, Jimmy Graham and Jake Kumaro. Now, Jimmy Graham, as bad as the year as he had last year, he still finished as a, a tight end 12 in PPR leagues. So with that said, I think he's more of a, a best ball uh, move. I don't really know if we can – I mean, you could do worse. If you're, if you're streaming tight ends, Jimmy Graham, you draft Jimmy Graham with a guy like Chris Herndon. And you see how the first four weeks go with Graham. If not, you move on. Um, he only scored two touchdowns last year, so I see him getting more than two for sure this year. Uh, you're hoping for 50, 55 catches and another 600-plus yards which I think is totally reasonable. But we have been hearing a lot about backup tight end uh, Robert Tanyan. Rodgers has been talking him up a lot this week, and I think we're going to see a little bit more from the backup tight ends this year. Um, Jay Sternberger was their, their third-round draft pick, but I don't know if he's going to beat out Tanyan yet for the number two spot. So uh, I like Jimmy Graham as like a really late-round tight end two target. But uh, I think I might be more excited about Jake Kumaro. If anything happens to Allison or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kumaro is going to be the next man up. Uh, Kumaro is still going to probably get um, – he's going to get a lot of time when they run four wide receiver sets. I don't know how often they're going to do that, but uh, Rodgers and Kumaro have a connection, and uh, it's not going to surprise me if Kumaro catches the four or five touchdowns this year. So, uh, But overall, Packers, exciting offense. We don't know how they're going to – they're going to do this year with new head coach Matt LaFleur, but I'm willing to invest in the Rodgers and Adams connection. Rodgers is healthy this year. He's a top five quarterback. And uh, some of those complimentary receivers, Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, could help us win our leagues this year. So uh, we'll finish the NFC North here with the Minnesota Vikings. And the Vikings got rid of their offensive coordinator after the, I think it was the Monday night, uh, Seattle, uh, they had a really bad offensive output that game. So they fired their old coordinator and they, they promoted Kevin Stefanski, who has a, he's a, he's a run heavy coordinator. We're going to see more play action out of the Vikings offense this year. And, uh, they let Latavius Murray walk in free agency. They added running back, rookie running back, Alexander Madison out of Boise state, who's been looking pretty good this preseason. But he's the number two running back, so um, I'm, I'm open to Madison having like a handcuff situation going on, but they're going to rely heavily on Dalvin Cook, especially in the passing game this year. Um, 
I love Cook as a mid-second-round pick. You can always handcuff him with Alexander Madison if you're worried about him being injury-prone and getting hurt. Um, but all the signs point to the Vikings running through Dalvin Cook, limiting, limiting Kirk Cousins so he doesn't make as many mistakes. And uh, so with, with the more focus on the run game, I think we have to turn down our expectations for Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Uh, both those guys finished as wide receiver ones last year. And I don't know if that's a fair projection for this year. The only way one of them, I think, finishes as a wide receiver one is if the other gets hurt and all the volume kind of just siphons through them. Uh, it sounds like Adam Thielen worked primarily on the outside position uh, preseason week one. So we're going to see him in the slot a little less. Uh, I think they're going to kind of move Kyle Rudolph and especially Herb Smith into the slot and try to get some different uh, matchups. But it sounds like Thielen, he might have uh, some reception total regression coming his way. And then uh, Diggs is also a little bit of an injury concern. I don't know if he's played a full 16-game season yet in his career, but Thielen has the higher ADP. So I'm, I'm, I'm open to taking Diggs at the end of round three, early round four, probably a little bit more. But I think we have to view these guys as wide receiver twos with uh, potentially wide receiver one upside. So it's just a slight little downgrade, but they're still going to be uh, valuable assets for fantasy this year. Um, so that might make Kirk Cousins' uh, volume go down a little bit if we're, if we're relying on the run a little more and we're, we're trying to rely on our defense. Um, can't remember if Kirk Cousins was a quarterback one last year, but um, if you draft Kirk Cousins, you're going to want to make sure you pair him with another guy that has uh, quarterback one upside. Uh, that would make sense. Cousins is a – he's a fine uh, – QB2 in Superflex leagues. Um, but as far as leaving Kirk Cousins as your QB1, leaving draft day in a, in a standard one QB league, I don't know if that's something I can advise at the moment. Uh, we have tight ends Kyle Rudolph and Herb Smith Jr. listed on here. Uh, Rudolph was a tight end one last year. There was question if he was going to get traded and remain with the team this offseason, but they were able to work out a long-term deal to keep him there. So he's going to cap Herb Smith's upside this year, but I look for Herb Smith to kind of cut into his workload a little bit. So Rudolph's probably a better best ball play uh, than leaving him out there every week in redraft leagues. But Rudolph still has top 10, top 12 upside at the position. So uh, look for more tight end usage out of, uh, especially two tight end sets out of the Vikings and a lot of play action and uh, more attention with Dalvin Cook. So that'll wrap up the NFC North. So we'll move on down here to the NFC South, and we'll start with the Atlanta Falcons. They're going to be led by Julio Jones in the passing game and Devonta Freeman in the running game. Uh, Julio is a candidate to lead the league in receiving yards as he has the last few years. No problem with him at the end of the first round. Uh, people are worried about he doesn't score touchdowns. I mean, he was able to finish with eight last year, so they kind of come in bunches. He kind of goes stretches without touchdowns, but – He's too involved in the, the reception totals and the yardage totals where it really kind of cancels out and makes him a, a lock for top five production at the position. So not really much needs to be said about Julio. Get him if you can, especially if you're at that, that you know 12 spot with the 12 and 13 pick turn. Um, but most attention, I think, should go to Devonta Freeman. Uh, Tevin Coleman's not there to be stealing passes out of the backfield, and Freeman is – kind of put up on a tee here to have one of the, the heaviest workloads for a running back this year. Uh, backups Brian Hill, Ido Smith, and rookie Quadri Allison are there to compete for the second duties. 
Um, sounds like, sounds and looks like Brian Hill's going to be the next man up if anything happens to Freeman. So if you're worried about injury concerns with him, that would be like the handcuff, I think. Um, but I don't really consider Devonta Freeman to be injury prone. He really only missed uh, last year. That's like big knock on him. He's had a few games where uh, a couple seasons where he's missed a game or two, but uh, overall I'm not too concerned. He's had a whole year to be healthy. He's coming back and I think uh, he looks to be in really good shape and they're, they're taking all the precautions with him to make sure he's ready for the season. So he's got a really big workload coming this year, I think as long as he can stay in the game. So I love Devonta Freeman uh, beginning around three. And again, he kind of comes into my mind when I'm looking at him or carry on Johnson. Uh, both those guys are RB2s with RB1 upside. So uh, try to get uh, him if you can. The Falcons are an elite offense. And, uh, yeah, he's going to get a lot of passes. He's going to get a lot of uh, carries and uh, maybe double-digit touchdowns this year. So uh, I'm into Devonta Freeman. So if the offense is being ran through Julio Jones and Freeman, we have complementary roles for Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper, and Mohamed Sanu. We're expecting Calvin Ridley to take a second-year step forward. Uh, he's recorded 10 touchdowns last year. That number might come down a tad, but there's reason to believe that he can have more receptions, more yards, maybe maybe crack 1,000 yards receiving. So he's going to flirt with uh, wide receiver two numbers. He probably looks best as your wide receiver three flex uh, on draft day, and hopefully he can outperform, outperform those expectations and deliver us a wide receiver two season. Uh, Mohamed Sanu is a really sneaky guy. Uh, he's finished as a wide receiver three the last couple of years. I love taking him in best ball leagues. And if Julio Jones or Ridley misses any time, Sanu's a plug and play wide receiver three with upside. So I like all three receiving options in Atlanta. And then Austin Hooper's there as well. He had a really uh, high reception total last year. I think he finished as tight end seven. He wasn't very consistent, so he's a better best ball play. We don't really know which week he's going to be you know, going off for being the security blanket. But uh, just with Julio, Ridley, Sanu, Freeman, I think those guys are going to take some of the touches away from Hooper. So I like Hooper as a, a tandem in a, you know, if you draft two tight ends and you kind of whip them out uh, based on matchups. But overall, this means Matt Ryan's looking at a potential top five season at quarterback. I think he's being drafted in, you know, the, f the fifth quarterback off the board. So that kind of makes sense. Um, if you like taking a mid-round QB, Ryan might be the guy to target. Plays most of his games indoors. Freeman's back. Everything looks good to go there. So a uh, big fan about getting Falcons and, I guess, NFC South uh, players in general on my team. So we'll move on to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is the man. He's not going to come off the field very much at all. Um, he could lead that team in receptions again, uh, crack another 1,000 yards, but they really need to find, uh, find out who their backup is for him and maybe just take a little bit of carry, carry load off of him to keep him fresh. So I'm watching the backup position there, but yeah, McCaffrey's a top five pick, top three pick probably. And uh, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if McCaffrey finished as the RB1 this year. Uh, if you factor in a thousand yards uh, rushing at least and about 700 yards catching, he's he's going to be a little bit under 2,000 all-purpose yards, but he's going to get a lot of yards, a lot of catches, uh, probably double-digit touchdowns combined, and uh, he's he might be the safest pick if if you wanted to take him 
uh, one-on-one, I'm not going to complain. So uh, get McCaffrey if you can. Uh, the rest of the offense is going to be run through Cam Newton. Uh, Cam Newton coming back from his shoulder injury. Everything looks positive this, so far this camp. And I'm excited about Newton because uh, if we look before he was injured with his shoulder, uh, he was playing at, um, he was I think he was seventh in points per game for quarterbacks. And right now he's being drafted around like QB 10. So he's kind of a value at the moment where you can get him as a 10th quarterback off the board and you have a top five upside for most weeks. So I'm a big fan of Cam Newton. I tend to like to wait for quarterback. And Cam Newton's been one of those guys that's been ending up on a lot of my teams. So hopefully everything's good with the shoulder. He's got uh, better weapons this year with uh, DJ Moore year two, Curtis Samuel year three, hopefully a whole year of a healthy Greg Olson. Uh, Chris Hogan's there as well. But uh, as far as Newton's concerned, I think he's got top five upside and he's a lock for top 10 if he plays the whole 16 game. So get uh, Cam Newton if you can. We're most interested in the receivers, DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Moore has an ADP of around round five or so, and Samuel's a little bit later, around eight, nine. Um, I don't really know if there should be that big of a gap between the two, uh, especially towards the end of last year. These guys were kind of playing uh, with similar outputs, and it sounds like Samuel's been the camp standout so far besides McCaffrey, of course. But uh, I'm expecting a, a pretty nice step forward for Curtis Samuel as long as he stays healthy. I'm, I love grabbing Curtis Samuel around eight or nine. I'm still even open to drafting DJ Moore around five. Uh, Moore's got uh, upside of a wide receiver two, uh, but he looks best as a wide receiver three. Whereas Samuel, you can get him as your first guy on your bench and you can get a wide receiver three flex out of him. So um, overall, I think that kind of just flows back to Newton. He's got two really good weapons to get the ball to uh, in the receiving game. And then when you bring in a healthy Greg Olson, help work the middle and long areas of the field. Uh, I think a lot of people are forgetting about Greg Olson. He's been injured the last two years, but he says that he's the healthiest he's been in a long time. Hasn't had anything going on negative this off season. So I'm open. I'm, I love waiting on wait, love waiting, wait. I love waiting late for a tight end. So Olsen's been one of those guys I snag as my tight end too and pair him with another guy and see what happens. So overall, super intrigued with the Carolina Panthers offense. I have that whole team, all five of those guys highlighted. Uh, there's going to be points there. They got to keep up with the Falcons and the Saints of the Worlds. So um, try to make sure you get someone, someone on your draft plan with those guys. So we'll move on to the New Orleans Saints. This is led by Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. These guys, Kamara's going to lead the team in carries, lead the team in rushing yards. He's going to be second to Thomas in receptions and targets. And Thomas last year, he led the league in receptions. That's That number's probably going to come down a little bit with Jared Cook in town. And just the trend of Drew Brees throwing less the last couple of years, I think we're going to see more Kamara, more even Latavius Murray. We're going to see uh, they have a better defense. They might just have a little bit less output for uh, plays per game overall. So, uh, but Kamara's a top five pick. Uh, Thomas, Thomas is going around the fifth or sixth receiver off the board. I kind of am shying away from Thomas at that because even he's had three really amazing years to start his career. He's finished no better than wide receiver six. And I don't really know if it's fair to expect him to do any more than he did last year with a 40-year-old Drew Brees. 
he would have to score over double-digit touchdowns. With the, the most he had is last year with nine touchdowns. But as far as the receptions, I think those are coming down. We might see a little bit dip in yards. Uh, I love Thomas because he's a safe wide receiver one. You know, he's gonna he's gonna flirt with wide receiver six, seven, eight in that range. Um, I, I I don't know if I see the outcome of him being a top five receiver this year. So. Uh, I don't really like his ADP. If he was in the mid round two to back end round two, I think I'd probably consider that. But that's just me. I still think Thomas is he's as safe as they come. He's kind of like McCaffrey. Uh, you know, you're getting a, a lock at the position. So go ahead and draft Thomas if you like that. Um, but after these two, we're looking at Jared Cook and Latavius Murray as the next guys up for production. Uh, Drew Brees has had success with Jimmy Graham in the past, so the tight end's a pretty friendly position for the Saints. Cook's coming off of a career year last year with Derek Carr, so you would think even Brees at 40 years old is going to have some success with Cook. And I'm, I'm open to Cook being a top five, top six tight end this year. And uh, his ADP is priced pretty appropriately. Uh, and if you don't get Kamara Thomas and you want to get a piece of this offense, Cook would be the next guy up. Um, I'm kind of passing on Drew Brees as my quarterback. I just don't really see a lot of upside there. Uh, his passing yards and his attempts have gone down the last two years. He's still probably going to throw almost 30 touchdowns. But I just think when you get to that point of the draft, give me Cam Newton, give me even like Jameis Winston, who we'll talk about next. I'd rather guys that have a little bit more ceiling and more volume coming their way. Uh, and then I guess that leads me into Latavius Murray, because if we think they're going to be running the ball uh, more than they have been, Murray should be able to take over almost all of the Mark Ingram role. I'm not expecting him to do all of it, but uh, the first preseason game was really telling. I think Kamara had 10 snaps, Murray had five, and Murray caught three passes on those snaps. So Murray's going to get a career like high workload in the passing game. He's been on the Vikings and the Raiders for you know his career, and they never really featured him as a passer, whereas I think the Saints realized, hey, he can do this and it's going to help our offense move the ball. So I'm kind of putting Murray in close to that Ingram role where Ingram's been an RB2 the last couple of years with Kamara. So I'm really into he's – he's basically the cheapest piece of the, the Saints uh, pie, and uh, I like – I want to get a piece of all the good offenses. So um, I think Murray could be a running back three on your team that you use as your flex or your RB2 in really plus situations. So go ahead and target Murray in like the eighth, ninth round of your drafts. Um, I'm really not sure if there's anybody else that we can rely on week to week. I like Traquan Smith as a prospect. It's the second year with the team, second year in the league. But uh, he's, he's probably a better off in a best ball league where certain, certain games he's probably not going to do much. And then the next game he'll do three catches for two touchdowns or something. So, um, but yeah, anyways, this is going to run through Kamara and Thomas, and we'll see Cook and Murray have their moments as well. So uh, try to get one of those guys if you can. Saints are going to be they're going to be a Super Bowl contender this year. So offensively and defensively, they're pretty sound. So with that we'll move on to Tampa Bay. Uh, we're looking at uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and OJ Howard leading the way. Um, I'm starting to really get excited about Mike Evans. Um, he finished. He was, I think he was like the wide receiver eight or nine last year. Uh, Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys have, you know, went to other teams. So we have all of this volume up, up for grabs. And uh, 
I think some of it's going to go to Evans, some's going to go to Godwin, some's going to go to Howard. Even Cameron Braid's going to probably get a little bit of boost of production. There's a there's a camp battle for the wide receiver three and four spots between Rashad Perriman and uh, Justin Watson. So I think we're going to see Evans and Godwin on the field like almost exclusively at all times, and Howard too even. So uh, and we're not really excited about Tampa Bay's defense. It's going to be better than last year. But Tampa Bay's got to keep up with the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints, man. They're going to have to – and not only that, like all the other teams that they play – should be able to have their way for the most part with the Tampa defense, meaning and kind of what we saw last year where Tampa Bay is coming from behind. They're playing a lot of catch up in the second half. And I really don't know if they're going to be able to establish the, the run. So I view Evans and Godwin as like elite targets for our draft plan. Uh, Evans in the round two, I wouldn't surprise me to see Evans finish top five receiver this year, just with all the, the, the target volume, that Jackson and Humphreys left behind, Evans could be double-digit touchdowns this year. He had over 1,500 yards last year, so Evans is a beast, really underrated. And then Chris Godwin there, he's been the darling of camp. Uh, he's been inching up in ADP all summer long, even still through the past couple of weeks. He had the touchdown in the preseason game. He's now like a high four, mid-round four pick. And Godwin's going to be – he's going to be a wide receiver too. He's going to have some some boom wide receiver one weeks where the teams kind of stifle Evans. But uh, kind of view Godwin – they're going to work him in the slot and the outside, so I view him as the more consistent option. But Evans is going to have higher highs and maybe some lower lows. But um, either way, I love both those two receivers. And then O.J. Howard there, especially if O.J. Howard can play a full 16-game season. It's his third season with the team, third season with Jameis Winston. And it's not, everything I've read about Jameis Winston and everything I'm hearing from his interviews, uh, it sounds like Winston's kind of putting it together. He understands that this is his fifth year of his rookie deal. This is a put up or shut up year for him. He's got probably the best quarterback that he or the best coach that he could have uh, for this such such a crucial year. And he's got Bruce Arians and quarterback coach Byron Leftwich. I think these two guys are perfect for him and helping him. Um, just become a pro and become more consistent. It sounds like he's going to be checking the ball down a lot more to his his flats, his running backs, his quick passes out. So I'm expecting Jameis Winston to take a step forward this year. So because I love Evan, Godwin, Howard all at ADP, I'm investing in Jameis Winston as my quarterback. He looks great in a super flex league as your QB2. Um, that flex spot, you're not really worried about um, – having the banter start him in a one quarterback league. If you get him, just leave him in there and just ride the highs and take the lows, I guess, as they come. But uh, Bay man, their, off, their offense is going to be pretty hot this year. They led the league in passing last year. I mean, that was with Fitzpatrick for a few games, but Winston, I think there was a stat that I saw that Winston has, he leads the NFL in 300 plus yard passing games, like since he came into the league. So he can ball. He just needs to, take the check down. He needs to be a little bit more efficient with the ball and just make some smarter reads. And it sounds like he's taking that, the appropriate uh, steps to, to doing that. So big fan of Winston and his weapons. Um, outside of the passing game, we have uh, Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. I think I'm more excited about Peyton Barber. He's a really underrated back. He can, he can pass block. He can catch. He gets, if the run is designed to get three yards, he'll get four. If the run gets blown up, he'll still find a way to get three. Um, 
he's a really underrated uh, workhorse, he's a really strong runner. And I'm not really sold on Ronald Jones uh, outrunning him. Ronald Jones could be used as a, like a pass catcher in situations, but it sounds like Barber's going to also be used in the passing game. And he has a later ADP than Jones. So he's still listed as a starter on the depth chart. So uh, if you need a running back real late, look for Peyton Barber. And uh, we'll just continue to monitor Jones here in the preseason. But overall as a whole, this NFC South is loaded. Like if you could – if you can try to get a player or two from each team, whether it's you start your draft with uh, Kamara or McCaffrey, or you start it with Jones and Thomas, you come back and you get Evans in round two, or uh, you tee up Freeman round three, you're looking at Godwin round four, and then whether it's DJ Moore round five and Cook round, like you could literally draft uh, a whole team of NFC South to start your draft and uh, see what happens. So. Make sure you grab some of those guys. Um, and that'll wrap up the NFC South. So we'll head on down here to or head on to the AF, or the NFC West. We're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals, and they are going to run the ball through David Johnson. And with all this Ezekiel Elliott news going on, I've kind of moved Johnson up just because he's a for sure thing. Like he's going to be there. You know, you can trust him to be there week one. And he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. As bad as a year as the Cardinals had last year, uh, Johnson finished as an RB10 in PPR leagues. I think that's something that a lot of people forget. As bad as it was last year, Johnson still was an RB1. So I think he could, he could compete for RB1 overall this year, especially if uh, the offensive line uh, is a little bit of improvement from last year. I'm still not excited about that defense. So I think they're going to be in some negative game scripts and not winning too many games. But Kyler Murray as a whole, it looks like he's going to get the ball out really quick. I think they're going to feature David Johnson a lot in the passing game. So he's going to have a super safe floor every week. He's going to lead the team in touchdowns. He's going to be the guy when they get to the red zone. Uh, Murray might steal some red zone rushing touchdowns, but, uh, man, it's looking pretty good for David Johnson right now. Um, he's going to be Murray's best friend, uh, I think, especially for just getting rid of the ball uh, when pressure's coming in and situations like that. So David Johnson's the main guy. The rest is going to run through Kyler Murray. It's going to depend on his arm and his legs. Murray's going to flirt with a top 10 quarterback finish. I could see him finishing in the top five this year if things go the right way. There's been a history with, uh, you know, first overall quarterbacks just making a splash and making it difficult for defenses to figure out what's going on. Um, so I think the top five finishes in, is within his range of outcomes. It wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals and Murray were a little bit uh, hard to solve the first few weeks of the year. And maybe he goes into a lull, but he'll, he'll kind of fight back. But just with his rushing ability, that's going to keep him alive. Um, in, a, in a quarterback one league to be a QB one. I love Murray in a two QB super flex. I've actually been toying with the idea of, of drafting Kyler Murray with, and pairing him with like Lamar Jackson or Cam Newton. So just so you can maximize those rushing points in your flex. I think that's a pretty cool idea. So um, I don't know if I like drafting Murray at ADP. I probably would like, uh, it depends. If it's a certain situation, you got to fill it out. I think he's a top 10 quarterback this year. So if you can get him around quarterback 10, go ahead and try it. Um, 
But after that, I think we're going to see some inconsistent usage from the other players. I think Murray's going to have a lot on his shoulders, throwing the ball and using his legs. David Johnson's going to be the main guy moving the ball. And then uh, we have the receivers here, Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. Sounds like Kirk's going to work a little bit more in the slot, and they're going to let Larry Fitzgerald kind of go back to his, his outside receiver position some more. Um, and, I mean, Fitzgerald's like – he's just the ultimate pro at receiver, future Hall of Famer, no doubt. Um, I could see him and, and Murray really being on the same page and figuring out uh, how, to, how to beat defenses and just Larry's going to work with him to make sure that he's doing everything that he can do on the field and making sure that he helps his offense and his quarterback succeed. So um, he's a pretty much a, a value at ADP. I think he's, you know, around round 10. Maybe, I don't know, his ADP is probably kind of in the far like after like pick 100 or so. Um, and Christian Kirk's probably moved up into the sixth and seventh round. So he's a little bit more higher priced. I think Kirk could lead the team in receptions and yards. I'm uh, not sure about touchdowns yet, but either way, I like Kirk's. Uh, if you can get Kirk round seven, he looks good as a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. And then with Larry, you can draft him as your third or fourth receiver and uh, rotate him in at wide receiver three flex. Um, and then just, just because they have a bunch of rookies and some unproven guys after that, I think that's why I feel more comfortable making sure I get Kirk or Fitzgerald if you don't get Johnson and Murray, um, just because there's going to be a lot of inconsistencies from, from Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson, Kevin White, uh, Demir Bird's probably going to make the team. Uh, there's, a lot to, there's a lot going on there. It sounds like uh, Isabella is going to be ready to roll. He's been out out not practicing the last couple of weeks. Uh, Hakeem Butler is, has had some, some hot game or hot practices and then some bad practices with drops and things like that. So I just, I don't know if we can trust any of the rookies here for a redraft. So I'm kind of staying away. I'd rather invest in Fitzgerald in round 10. Uh, Kevin White's been, been apparently running with the, the starting unit as the wide receiver three. So we, we got to kind of keep an eye on him in the preseason games to see if he's looking good. Um, and then at tight end, they got Ricky Seals-Jones. He made some nice catches the other day in the preseason game. It sounds like uh, the only competition he's going to get is from Charles Clay, veteran tight end. So we'll monitor that. But Seals-Jones probably has the most upside as a receiver. So overall, the Cardinals are going to run through David Johnson. Kyler Murray is going to have a lot on his plate. And then he's going to rely on Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. So uh, Fitzgerald's the cheapest option. I kind of like doing that a lot. So um, I can see myself snagging David Johnson and uh, Larry Fitzgerald, I think. I don't know. They're all really good options. So, But those are probably my two favorite priced. Um, so we'll move on here to the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, Todd Gurley's kind of had a roller coaster of an offseason. Uh, what's up with his knee? Are they going to hold him back? They drafted Daryl Henderson round three. Uh, they they re-signed Malcolm Brown. John Kelly's still there. Uh, the offensive line's kind of got some work to do. Um, and then the last couple weeks, we see Gurley is is looking good. He's healthy. He's in camp. He's practicing. He's on the veteran plan, but he looks good. So this Early was kind of dipping into like the early round three. He's kind of back up to early round two status. And if you can get Gurley as your RB2, that I think that's probably the most attractive option at this point. So that's probably what I'm gonna do. If you can if you can sit tight and land like a, 
a Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley start. I think that's really attractive. Um, Dalvin Cook and Todd Gurley, um, something like that. So just continue to monitor Gurley. We're expecting him to get a little bit of a decrease in workload, but uh, I mean, when he plays, he's going to be, he's going to get enough volume, I think, to secure a running back, like a top running back 12 uh, position by the end of the year. He's not going to be a top five anymore, but he's definitely worth a, a, a look at as a top 10 back, top 12 back within that range. And he's still going to be the guy that they run the offense through. Um, he's going to set up all their, their play action, all of their, all of their red zone looks, all that stuff. So Gurley is the guy here to focus on. And then the complementary roles are going to be spread up between Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. Woods or Cooks is the highest ADP going off uh, beginning around four. Woods is like a late round four, and you can get Cup anywhere in round five. Um, Cooks will probably lead the team in yards. Woods might lead the team in – I can see him leading the team in receptions, but Cooper Cup's probably my like I I feel pretty confident saying Cooper Cup's going to lead the team in touchdowns, uh, especially near the red zone. Goff looked to him a lot. Uh, it's a shame that uh, Cup tore his ACL in the middle of last year. Uh, he could have had something pretty special going on. So I like all three receivers, but if I had to take one, I'm going to take Cup at the lower ADP. Uh, but all of them are, to be honest, like. I don't – last year, Cooks and Woods did so well. Um, that was with Cup missing time. But when all three were on the field together, it was kind of like only two guys would have a good week and then maybe the next guy had a good week. And so it was kind of like a, there's room for two every week. So that's just why I like taking the guy with the cheapest ADP. And if you, if you want to get a piece of the Rams offense and you can't really – can't get a receiver you might this might kind of be like that Carson Wentz situation where there's so much talent here and you kind of just want to make sure you get something of it where you just target Jared Goff uh, especially in a two QB league I love Jared Goff in your super flex I think that's a really smart play um, but the offense is going to be funneled through these three wide receivers and Todd Gurley um, tight end Gerald Everett's there he's going to be the leading uh, pass catcher for the tight end Tyler Higby's more of the pass blocking tight end with uh, this Rams uh, coaching staff spent the round two pick on Everett. And I think they just inherited Higby from the old coaching staff of Jeff Fisher. So I think we see Gerald Everett kind of take a step forward uh, and separate himself from Higby in the passing game. Uh, and then we have to really watch and see uh, what's going on with this backup running back situation. Uh, Daryl Henderson's got a ton of talent. He's a great pass catcher. Everyone's been kind of saying, oh, he's going to be like a Chris Thompson or Alvin Kamara type role to Gurley. To, to Gurley's Ingram. So uh, super interesting to watch. They had listed Henderson as the fifth running back on the depth chart, which is not a good sign at the moment. Malcolm Brown would be the two. I believe John Kelly is there as the three. I can't think of who the four is right now, but um, continue to monitor that backup situation. And we got to see what's going to happen when they decide to, okay, let's give Gurley a break here for this, this series. Who's the guy in? It might be a rotation where they give each guy a series throughout the game, something like that. So either way, the Rams are going to be productive with those top guys. So uh, try, to, try to get something out of it. I think it's going to be healthy for fantasy this year. So with that, we'll move on to the Seattle Seahawks. And I am super excited about Chris Carson at the moment. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to come on to 
to realize that he's got RB1 upside. Uh, some of the, I think it was the offensive coordinator came out and said he's, he can, he's going to have the best, he has the best hands on the team. And he wouldn't be surprised if he sees, you know, north of 50 targets this year. Uh, we mentioned in the Bears a uh, little uh, part of this episode where Mike Davis uh, was on Seattle last year, and he's a Davis was a really good pass catcher. I think he had over 30 receptions. He he had over 130 carries. All of that is on the table now, and Carson's going to get some of that. Rashad Penny's going to get some of that, but. Carson was, I think, RB16 last year. That's just going to elevate him even more closer to an RB1. And the Seahawks are so run heavy, and that's just what they want to do. And, like, Chris Carson, you can you used to be able to get him round five maybe a week or two ago, but now he's inching up into the fourth round. So he's one of those guys where um, I'm willing to, to invest a fourth-round pick on Chris Carson at the moment. So um, after Chris Carson, the offense is going to run through receiver Tyler Lockett, who's going to be moving into the slot. Uh, now that Doug Baldwin's retired, that role has kind of opened up. And Lockett was so efficient, and he clicked so well with Russell Wilson that it's almost a guarantee Lockett's set up for uh, a career high in targets, in receptions, in yards. Uh, that touchdown total might come down a little bit. But everything else, the arrow is pointing up for Tyler Lockett. He's a round four. Sometimes he falls to the fifth round. That presents a huge value. But Lockett, he's a fine wide receiver, too. If you can get him as your wide receiver three, I think that's a win. Um, and then we also got Russell Wilson in here. These are the three guys that, if you're going to draft a Seahawk, make it one of these guys because they're going to be every play, one of these guys is probably getting the ball. And if you just get Wilson at the top, you get you get Lockett, you get Carson catching the ball, you get Penny catching the ball, you get DK Metcalf on a bomb, you get David Moore, uh, Jerron Brown. There's a lot of weapons for Wilson. I think he threw like 35 touchdowns last year. And then there's also uh, what, what's cool about Wilson is he, I don't think he ran for a touchdown at all last year. That was kind of weird to see. So he's not running the ball as much anymore. But he's he's really effective in the red zone. Um, and he, they, they, they brought him some new weapons with Metcalf. And uh, they got the tight ends coming back. Will Disley, uh, Nick Vanette's there. There's a lot of when, – when you're guarding the Seahawks in the red zone, you have to worry about Carson, you have to worry about Lockett, which means your second, third, fourth best defenders are guarding like DK Metcalf and David Moore, both fantastic outside receivers. Uh, I think Metcalf's going to be able to win a lot of one-on-one -on -one situations his rookie year. So I'm super open to Wilson being my quarterback one. He looks great in a super flex league if you pair Wilson with another, uh, another late-round quarterback. And, uh, yeah, the Seahawks are going to be hurting on defense to start the year. There's a couple guys on suspension. Maybe it's just one, Jaron, is it Jaron Reed, um, Jaron Reed. And then uh, a couple guys on injure that have injuries right now. So and they lost a few guys in free agency and, and their trades. So I don't think Seattle's defense is going to be as good as it has been, which might lean to more passing. They want to run the ball, but they might have to pass out of necessity for the year. So target Carson Lockett and Wilson. Rashad Penny is down in the next tier. Rashad Penny's interesting because he showed some explosiveness in the running game last year. He had a couple nice plays in the passing game. It looks like they want to try to get him more involved. Like we said, Mike Davis leaves behind a lot of opportunities so either way penny he's got room to grow 
from his uh, rookie season. And if anything happens to Chris Carson, Penny becomes, uh, we're probably going to rank Penny as an RB1 just on volume alone, a run-heavy offense. Um, a lot of people don't really like that pick, but I, it makes sense to me if he falls to the seventh, eighth round. Um, he's not a bad idea to pair with Carson. It just locks in an RB1 for the whole year. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if we can use Penny in, as a flex in certain games, especially like uh, in, in plus matchups where we where Seattle's favored by a touchdown. You know, you're going to bang Chris Carson early. You're going to get a lot of Rashad Penny in the second half. Uh, that doesn't sound too bad. So after that, we're going to we're gonna see some inconsistencies from DK Metcalf and David Moore. Both these guys will be the primary outside receivers this year. Um, I love Metcalf in a best ball league, even David Moore in a best ball league real late. Uh, it might be a little bit difficult to trust week to week, but I'm open because DK Metcalf is pretty cheap. You can get him probably in the double-digit rounds, and you can get a piece of Wilson. And this might be the situation where – Metcalf only needs one play to make your week, whether it's a 60-yard touchdown or he catches a five-yard touchdown on a, on a jump ball or something. Uh, he's that good. Wilson's a great quarterback, and I'm, I'm willing to invest in Metcalf in redraft leagues, I think, right now. So overall, we love the Seahawks offense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to feed Lockett. Rashad Penny's going to have a much better second year, more volume coming his way. And then, yeah, man, we get to watch DK Metcalf. We're excited to see what he can do. So uh, Seattle should be a fun team to watch this year. They're going to be a playoff team. And uh, they might even compete with the Rams this year. The Rams could have a little bit of Super Bowl hangover. Could be a changing changing of the guard there in the West again. So draft with Seahawks if you can. Uh, their ADP isn't too crazy, and they're going to be a pretty balanced offense. So go ahead and try and get one. Uh, we'll move on here to the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers are a little bit tricky. Last year, uh, Nick Mullins played. He started most of the games while Garoppolo was hurt. C.J. Beathard also got hurt, which opened the door. And Nick Mullins propelled George Kittle to a record-breaking season. Uh, actually, I think uh, did yeah, I think did Kittle did break the yards record. Kelsey broke it once, and then Kittle broke it the next week. So. Kittle's a super interesting play. He's being drafted as a second or third tight end off the board. I'm a little nervous that now Kittle has a little bit more competition for targets, especially with Kevin Coleman there. Dante Pettis year two, healthy Marquise Goodwin. They drafted Debo Samuel, and they drafted Jalen Hurd. So I'm, I'm kind of shying away from the Ertz and Kittle at the 2-3 turn just because they got a little bit more competition in that offense, in both offenses, really. Um, but Kittle's going to be the best uh, receiving weapon on this team, no doubt. Um, so if we go down a tier, we got Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda. Uh, Coleman's going to be the lead pass catching back. Um, they might this, – this could look something like what we saw in Atlanta where Coleman maintains that heavy pass catching role and then they mix Breda in on, uh, on running downs. I'm not really sure how it's going to work, but I just really like that Coleman's got history with Kyle Shanahan and he knows what to expect – uh, from his coach and Shanahan knows what he can get from Coleman. There's a trust there. They know the offense and uh, I think Coleman's finished as a top 24 running back the last two or three years and his ADP is pretty cheap. So if you want to get at a piece of this, this 49ers offense, uh, Coleman might be the guy to do that. And you can even pair Coleman with Brita. The ADP is really cheap. Kyle Shanahan running back usually pays off pretty well for fantasy. So 
I'm into both guys, but I'm a little more excited about Coleman just because he's got familiarity with this offense. So after these guys, uh, we got receiving group of Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin. It sounds like there's been, well, I guess we even have to start grouping Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd in, into this because Hurd looked really good in the, the first preseason game. He caught two touchdowns. He's, he's tall. He's fast. He's a he's super strong, athletic. He looks like a really good pick right now. Uh, Debo Samuel also flashed. I think he had like two catches for over 60 yards. He made some nice plays. And then Dante Pettis last year really made some nice plays down the stretch with Nick Mullins. Uh, a lot of jump balls and go get it deep in that situation. And then Marquise Goodwin, he had an amazing game against the Packers, I think, on Monday Night Football last year. But that was really all – that was probably the best we saw of Goodwin. He was kind of injured in and out the whole year. And um, it sounds like through camp right now, there's been a lot of inconsistencies with Pettis, Samuel, and Hurd, and being on the same page with Garoppolo. Um, the coach really hasn't said that this is our, our guy. He's not really pounding the table for anyone. He says everyone can do better. So I'm willing to see what happens here. Pettis has the highest ADP. He sometimes goes in the seventh, eighth round. Uh, a lot of people are trying to get those numbers that last year. Uh, Marquise Goodwin at this time last year was a fourth or fifth round pick, and he's he's kind of going undrafted right now. I love Marquise Goodwin in the best ball league. He feels like the safest guy to make sure he's starting uh, week one. So I'm into Goodwin. I'm a little bit iffy on Pettis. I was a little bit higher on him before all this training camp stuff came out. Um, but we got to kind of monitor it. I don't know if that's a, if I can advise a, a Dante Pettis um, draft spot right now. But uh, if, if you wanted to, to make sure you get a piece of this 49ers offense, the correct answer might just be target Jimmy Garoppolo as your QB two, especially in a super flex league. Uh, Nick Mullins, I think, averaged almost 20 points a game last year with this scheme. And Garoppolo is entering his second full season with this off offense. He's got more weapons than they've ever had. Kittle's a beast. Coleman's there. He's got four really good receivers, five with whatever happens to Trent Taylor when he comes back from injury. Um, I don't know. There's a lot to like here, but I, I just I really don't know how it's all going to come together. Um, so it feels safest to say Kittle's the guy. Coleman can be the guy. But if you wanted to, to just get everything, it might be that Jared Goff, Carson Wentz situation where we just say, take Garoppolo as your QB2, put him in your super flex and uh, just benefit from whoever does well. So uh, that's really it for the San Francisco 49ers. That's going to wrap up uh, everything here for the NFC. Uh, stop my share here. And, uh, yeah, thank you for, for checking out this, this NFC show. I hope you listen to the AFC show. You can find these articles that I have on the fantasyfellowship.com. There's the AFC version and the NFC version videos can be found on youtube you can stream the podcast on spotify apple google you can find us on anchor and you can follow me on twitter at the fellow kgb comment like subscribe all that good stuff leave comments on my youtube leave comments on the twitter anything any kind of feedback would be great um yeah man it's it's, it's awesome man we're, we're week two of preseason everything's coming around here Week three, we get to kind of the, the, the pull back the curtain and we get the, uh, the dress rehearsal stuff going on. So it's a fun time. I'm probably going to be doing another podcast uh, this week. 
yet. I might be doing a, a like a best ball kind of draft situation, just throwing out ideas on players and stuff. Uh, if you have any any videos or questions and things you want to see, let me know. I'm open to all ideas. And uh, I don't know, man. Thank you for watching. Just share. Have a good rest of your night, morning, whatever you got to do. Uh, take it easy. Adios. Thank you.